Welcome to another episode of What Happened After. I'm your host, Vivian, and I'm so pumped this week to be bringing you a conversation with the mighty's Mike. Mike is a CEO of the most amazing website out there right now. It really connects people who are living specific experiences, whether with their own health conditions or someone they love, and it makes them feel a little bit less alone. From a personal perspective, I just find so much personal inspiration from how Mike has built the mighty, and I learned a lot even from this episode on what I should be doing with 2 So throughout the episode, you'll listen a little bit more to how Mike left the career he was at the top of his game with to start something that just felt a little bit more meaningful and a lot more personal. You'll also learn a little bit about what inspired me to start 2DM Young and where I hope to go from here. But without further ado, here's the episode with Mike. I'm so excited to be back on another episode of What Happened After. And this time I'm here with Mike, who is the founder and CEO of The Mighty, which I've been a huge fan of for a while. And I'd love for you to just kind of introduce what The Mighty is and and who you are, Mike. Sure. Uh, uh, Thanks, Vivian. Um, Pleasure to be here with you. Um, So The Mighty is is, is now the world's largest health community. Um, It really came about... Uh, because of, um, I'll give you a little bit about my background first. So I came out of journalism. I spent most of my career as a um, journalist at uh, mostly big news organizations, uh, ABC News, NBC News, and New York Times. Um, and as I was kind of growing professionally that way, um, on the personal side, my wife and I have uh, three kids now and actually a fourth on the way. And our, our oldest was born um, with a, uh, a rare disease called DUP15Q syndrome. Um, and it took us a couple of years to actually get that diagnosis. Uh, we knew from very early on something wasn't quite right. Um, she wasn't walking, wasn't talking, doing all the things mm-hmm. a typical kid would do early on. Uh, but then when we actually got the diagnosis, um, you know, we just threw ourselves into all the ways we could potentially help her. And what we found was we we got a lot more help by connecting with other people rather than just you know, let's say you know, reading medical information on WebMD or those kind of sites. And so. Um, as we were kind of, you know, raising her and I was progressing through my career, more and more of my time, I just, I just saw and felt that I wanted to spend that time around this community that we were a part of and building. And I just felt like there was an opportunity to build a much larger platform, um, for anyone facing any kind of health condition, uh, to connect with other people, um, to get the right content, the right resources, again, find the right people. Um, all of those things to, to, you know, for folks to help each other. And so that was really the impetus behind um, starting The Mighty. That was four or five years ago. And uh, and it's, it's you know, really, you know, grown tremendously since then. How did you go from that step of having your, your own aha moment, your own, like, before and after, and turning it into The Mighty itself, right? Um, well, it took several years. Um, I think, you know, from the day that we got our daughter's diagnosis, you know, I, I did the... Um, I mean, we got that. We got a phone call after years of going up and down the East Coast, where we were living at the time. You know, talking with different specialists, couldn't get a diagnosis, and then finally, um, um, we did take a test that we got results back. And a, a doctor actually called us and said, um, you know, said, you know, basically said, sit down, I have some news for you, um, and essentially told us he'd never seen what this you know disease was before, mm-hmm. but um, it was unlikely her mind would develop beyond that of a five-year-old. And, you know, that was, you know, it was devastating in, in many ways. And, you know, I did what I think the average person would do, which is I, you know, after kind of processing all this, I jumped online mm-hmm. and I started Googling. And um, the thing that was most helpful that day, what I found was uh, an old PDF file that had six stories 
that were written by uh, people, uh, or parents of uh, kids with this condition. And it was all about what autism is, what, you know, mm-hmm. uh, what it's like to have a child that's having, you know, 30 seizures a day, um, all the, you know, really tough stuff. But then there was also, you know, surprising to me, humor and joy and mm-hmm. uh, strength and so much of what they were writing. And the feeling that I got from from reading those stories was that, you know, my wife and I could do this, that, you know, we're going to help our daughter. Um, other people are doing this. We can as well. And I, I remember having this feeling where I wanted to take those folks out. You know, these people, are stories that I was reading, I was like, could I, could I find them? Could I take them out for a beer? Yeah. Can I just, I, I want to learn so much from them. And um, so that was really the, in my mind, the first, you know, mighty stories were really the ones that I read that day. Um, and it wasn't until about five years later that we actually launched the, the platform. So, so much of it was really learning what community was all about from finding a nonprofit organization, Duke 15Q Alliance, and working very closely with them. I'm, I'm fundraising chair and on their board now. Um, we learned a lot about what community was there. And that was also just as my career was progressing, figuring out where I wanted to spend my time. And I was talking about something like the Mighty for a while. I wasn't really sure what form it would take. And, um, I, I, and then honestly, my, my wife just got sick of me talking about it at one point, you know, she just stopped me mid track and said, are we going to do this or not? And, um, and that was honestly like the little kick in the ass I think I needed, uh, from her to -hmm. say, she's, you know, behind this, let's, you know, I'd have to quit my job. I'd have to, you know, we have to change a lot of things, figure out our finances, but like, let's, let's go after it. Um, so that was about a five-year process from, you know, getting our daughter diagnosed to starting the Mighty. It's so interesting because so much of what you're talking about ends up becoming the same things that motivated me to start 2NM Young. And it was just a sense of like, I want someone else who also gets it. <laughs> right? Like, I'm not asking for much. I'm literally just asking for someone else who's holding space in the same way as that I need space to be held for me. Um, and then maybe I can do the same for them in a different way. And it's the biggest spark for community building because it allows people to bring their own stories to know that no one is going to judge them. And no one is going to ask more of them than what they're actually doing already. And it just allows you to be. And it's what I love about the Mighty from its inception. It's a, it, it does mimic that same feeling of just, well, you come with what you have and then you get hopefully something else that you can carry out with you. And at the same time, you're giving someone else something for them to hold. Yeah, that giving aspect is so key. And I think I underestimated how powerful um, it was for people to kind of give of themselves um, and offer support. Um, You know, we look at, um, you know, as we build communities, we look at a lot of data to determine, you know, what's working, what's not working in terms of gathering people together and the support that they're, you know, uh, giving each other. And at one point we started actually looking at it, um, and this may sound odd, but like looking at it almost like a marketplace of the people who need support and and the people who can offer support. And um, the need in our community is much greater than kind of the offering was, at least it was initially. And so in in terms of tackling that problem, um, you know, what we didn't do was say, hey, we just need a lot more experts on the site. Mm -hmm. Um, It's it was more about how do we encourage the folks who need support to actually offer support to others as well, because it's the, the same people that need it. Um, do have a lot of experience and do have um, a lot within themselves that would be very really valuable to others and so um, just by trying to encourage those um, uh, you know more people to kind of respond to others and open up to others is where we're starting to see a little bit more of that you know that match or that balance in terms of the needing support and offering support it's 
like so striking to me how much especially so the demographic i'm dealing with the most is that teenager young adult demo and i found it so interesting when i started to dem young how often i got emails saying you know here's my story you can publish it if you want i don't know if it'll actually bring value and it was this for me moment of like responding back with hey literally the only like the only thing that you need criteria wise to have something published on too damn young is that there are words that talk about someone you've lost like that's the only requirement but it was like no one else was telling them that their stories had value and that they had something to offer so they didn't walk into any interaction with anyone in that case with the assumption that it did and the more that you encourage that the more that it became this ripple effect of more people understanding that for as lived as their experience may be and to them as personal as it may seem, it actually helps someone else a lot. Just if you share it and if you if you give in that way, the same way that you're reading others back. And I love too that you said that there was a lot of humor and like good personality in stories. Cause I think that when I started Too Damn Young um, and I would introduce myself and say, well, hi, like, yeah, I'm the founder of Too Damn Young and this is what we do. People would be like, wow, that must be so sad. And I'd be like, actually, it's really empowering. <laughs> and the stories are really funny sometimes. And they're really interesting and they're dynamic. Um, and just because it's a harder topic doesn't make it less human in that sense. Yeah, in, fa- in fact, I feel like health in general needs more humanity, mm-hmm. <laughs> more so than a lot of other areas. There's so much, um, not, to, not to dismiss all the medical information that's out right. there because it is so important, but it's not enough, right, in terms of all the daily things that you go through um, a couple things just you know that I've learned along the way is you know you we hear a lot about uh, health care and I think p- people in general think of it as what happens in doctors offices or in hospitals um, but most of you know really caring for people's health is in the day-to-day right mm-hmm. at home um, at school at, you know at work um, that's where people are spending their time and where they need honestly the most uh, help with the daily challenges that they experience around health. And so, you know, you, most people do not have, you know, all their doctors or uh, therapists or whoever it is helping them, you know, on speed dial and can, you know, get access to them anytime they want. Um, I think the most underused resource in healthcare is really other people. Um, and just all the experiences that we've had out there, you know, in, in my mind, the internet's done um, a great job in general of connecting people around a lot of things, but not particularly well in, in I'd say, in healthcare um, and just all the challenges that people face. And if you look at some of the the networks, you know, the uh, think of you know, social networks that have been built, the the Facebooks, the Instagrams, um, you know, uh, places like that. Most of them are networks of friends and families. Mm-hmm. Um, and their services that or, or you know, platforms that connect essentially for the most part friends and families and I think you know where the mighty's different and where we need more help just overall is in connecting people who may be complete strangers but have um, shared experiences around in, in our case it's around um, facing uh, some health issues and um, the bonds that can form are between people who you know will have never met don't know you know that much about each other but they're dealing with something um, that's difficult and challenging, um, those bonds can run so deep. Uh, to, to, to connect with someone who just gets at a core what someone is dealing with is so, so powerful. And I think that um, ultimately what we're trying to kind of unleash with the mighty is, is you know, being able to capture the, the power of those shared experiences um, to help people. And, um, and that's, 
that's what I think feels best in terms of what we're doing and what mm-hmm. we're what we're seeing happen on the platform. So much of the caregiver conversation too, I think, is one that's really lost um, when it comes to the healthcare system. So, like, I was twenty one when I became a caregiver for my grandmother, and there was nothing that I found support in at that point. Like, there was it was basically me just talking to one counselor at at the hospital and it was really more just like about logistical things of what it meant to be my grandmother's primary caretaker but it meant there was nothing else that came in the form of support right of like well how do you change an older person's diaper right and like how do you make sure that they're actually eating what they're supposed to be eating and like how do you navigate that with like your regular life as well and it's like you said your doctor or their doctor is not going to be on the other end of the line trying to counsel you through that and there's a certain level of support that comes from someone who can say, like, I've been through that too, and here's what it helped me. No, you're, you're spot on. I mean, um, unfortunately, mm-hmm. this week, my um, my daughter uh, broke her leg. And um, so she's in a cast up to her, like, the top of her thigh. Mm-hmm. Uh, can't bend that leg at all. And, you know, she's autistic and has a lot of other challenges. She has a, She's having a hard time understanding that she can't get up and walk around. <laughs> That's not okay. Mm-hmm. We have actually a wheelchair coming today um but I, it was actually her teacher who was telling us he stopped over last night and was he we just wanted to he felt bad for everything mm-hmm. that happened and wanted to give her you know brought her a couple treats and things like that very very nice um but he was actually explaining to my wife and me the best way to get her in and out of a wheelchair um because he's been a special ed teacher forever and you know has gone through a ton of training and and all this but it's you know, it's it's those day to day things that you don't know necessarily who to talk to or where to go to ask those questions. But it's people in this community who have had so many of those experiences, and I think many of them don't understand how valuable the, those experiences are to others. And just encouraging more and more people, you know, to share them. So we now, you know, we're now at a point where we've got, um, you know, well over two and a half million people who are part of this platform, um, helping each other out essentially, and. Um, you know, that at the end of the day is, is, is what's, you know, what we want to continue to, to build and drive, whether it could be people in different countries, different cultures, you know, all of those things. The only thing that matters is they're helping each other, um, through the day-to-day things that, um, they're not getting as much guidance on from others. There was something I, when I was looking through your mighty, um, feed and just kind of scrolling through and seeing what you've posted there were a couple words that really stuck out to me and it was in one of the captions and you said um what feels like failure is the first step in perseverance which I felt was really relevant to this conversation just in terms of like the what happened after when you have this moment of either like an aha moment or a knees down on the ground kind of moment and then where you go after from that. And I think that looking at it as, as the first step in perseverance and in resilience and in learning what that even is um, was so beautiful to me. Well, yeah, thank you. That that post was uh, just to let your listeners know, um, my, my daughter and I, she had a, da- a daddy-daughter dance, um, and uh, which is challenging for her. She's got a lot of auditory issues. Um, so being in a, a, a on a dance floor with lots of other peers and their dads dancing to loud music is presents all sorts of challenges for her um, but she had been talking about it all week like she you know we definitely wanted to go and mm-hmm. um, and she didn't last more than about a half a song um, before it was just way too overwhelming for her um, and so it was it was a you know challenging night for us um, and as a dad really wanted to make this a special night and and was did not at all go to plan but it, uh, long story short we ended up in her bedroom um, uh, after changing it in her PJs and 
and all that and you know dancing to some of the music uh that you know that that she listens to there and we kind of turned it into our own night and but one of the things that struck me is i think this is the phrase you were bringing uh uh, Mm -hmm. coming up with is uh yeah i guess i wrote something about how that it it felt like a failed you know Mm -hmm. night i i wanted it to work so well and i i think annabelle did as well and it just didn't go to plan and that can feel like a failure um but uh it actually ended up with her laughing and smiling and dancing around her room and and you know we i think we both got what we wanted out of it just not the way it was planned um and that Mm -hmm. is that you know that perseverance of just kind of trying to find your own way um and my you know experience as a dad uh caregiver you know all these things has been you just constantly pushing through (laughs) so much of what feels like failure um uh because it it does get sweeter on the other side when you when you start seeing the things that do happen you know as the name of this podcast what happened mm-hmm. after right that night did not start the way we wanted to but what happened after um i think you know was that perseverance that uh that worked so well for both of us when it came to changing careers right because essentially even though a lot of what you're doing now still revolves around storytelling which i think is the crux of like the career as a whole um you went from running a wall from being in these like higher level publishing places to to running your own thing what was that adjustment like um, that's a great question. Uh, yeah, I mean, the last couple of jobs I've had, you know, I had, you know, was managing well over a hundred people and, um, big operations and all that. And so in starting mm-hmm. this, it was liberating in many ways, um, because it was like, I can do things the way I just want to do them. Um, and, uh, so in that way it was very liberating. I think what was challenging is I was so used to having so many people, uh, supporting me and the, you know, companies that I was at in so many different ways. And so having to figure out everything, everything, every little aspect, you know, really on my own, um, that was challenging. Uh, um, but, but in general, I think what I found is the, I mean, the liberating part made it, it, it was, was definitely like the, uh, the stronger side of that. And it was also, you know, a lot of people talk about the work-life balance that they want. Um, I, I don't see it like that. I, I, I want my work and my life to be kind of one and the same. The same. I want to wake up mm-hmm. and spend my time doing the things that I care about so much in my life. And the mighty gave me the opportunity to do that. Um, and so to me, that was kind of the most important thing. I think I'd reached a certain level of success where it was, um, you know, where, where do I want to spend my time? What do I really want to do? And uh, between, you know, that and just the idea of the mighty in my head for so long and my wife kind of giving me that kick in the butt saying, are we going to do this? All those things kind of converged together. Um, And so, you know, the transition was um, was good in so many ways. It was the hardest part, honestly, was financially just, you know, not, you know, I I couldn't pay myself the first year, just getting Mm -hmm. everything off the ground. Um, It was, you know, my wife's a a stay at home mom, so. Uh, you know, I found a bunch of consulting gigs that would help, you know, pay our bills, um, you know, figuring out health insurance, um, you know, for the family, all, all those things yeah. were actually challenging, but the day-to-day work, um, I loved, I loved, you know, tr- you know, getting to, uh, to really build something that I felt, um, so meaningful to, to me and, and, and would be for others as well. I've been running Too Damn Young 2 for like five years now, and I think one of the biggest challenges for me has been trying to scale it and trying to figure out how can I keep on making the same impact I want to make but in a way that's 
sustainable financially that's sustainable for the group and the community so i'm fascinated by the fact that you've been able to build this out in this way and it's serving so many people and it's also meeting the financial benchmarks that you have for it um how was that right like in terms of like bringing on actual funding and investors and just explaining to them to see the value in creating a community like this within the health space that like we talked about before seems so foreign for so many people and seems like it's because it's a new concept right we don't tackle healthcare from the community building side we tackle it from the policy and healthcare side mm-hmm. so it's it, that's actually something that is uh, i think initially was hard but got easier along the way once we had a certain level of success so um so yeah we bootstrapped this uh, we bootstrapped the mighty uh, meaning that, you know, it was, uh, I hired the top writer out of Huffington Post to kind of get it started with me, paid her out of my savings account, um, and just said, hey, we'll figure this out as we go. And, you know, you talk about the scalability part of it, you know, we try to keep everything very simple at the beginning. So so Meg, and she's still our editor-in-chief today, is, you mm-hmm. know, really a huge part of the, the growth of, of this community. She's She got the voice right, I think, for what the mighty was. Um and uh, so we started by saying, okay, Meg, you're going to do three stories every day. Uh, we're just, you're going to go, you know, look out across the web, see what's out mm-hmm. there, see what people are writing about, um, find people who want to share their experiences. We're going to do three stories each day. That was going to be her job. And my job was going to be to find an audience for those three stories. Mm-hmm. And we tried a lot of different things, right? Each day was like an experiment. And um, she was on the East Coast. I was on the West Coast as we were trying to figure this out. And I was also doing consulting at the same time <laughs> to pay the bills. And um, we tried a lot of things that did not work. Um, you know, like we tried to start posting a lot of stuff to subreddits and like see right. if, you know, people would read it and find things there. And that was challenging. And um, I won't go through all the things that didn't work. And then we found a few things that, that did work for us we tapped into nonprofit organizations and mm-hmm. um, my own experience working at a, um, a nonprofit Duke 15 Q Alliance, uh, which is uh, helps people with my daughter's condition um, is that we're, we're really good at a lot of things, but the media side of doing like content was not something yep. we were good at. And I think that's true for most um, nonprofits in the health space. And so what we did is we approached these nonprofits and we said, Hey, um, we want to do more stories about people living with these, you know, the health conditions that, are you know pertinent or relevant to to your community, um, and then you know would you if if we able if we're able to tell more of those stories would you be willing to share them within your community and that would include their newsletters their Facebook pages you know all mm-hmm. those things, and in return we would take the resources that those uh, nonprofits had um, put a lot of time and energy into and we said you know we'd be happy to showcase. Uh, your resources um, because we think they're actually really relevant to the people that are reading these stories and so it was kind of a a little bit of a trade uh, in terms of you know both sides getting value and um, in that strategy um, which is now a a relatively small part of our strategy but back then it was the you know one of the first tipping points I think Mm -hmm. um, where we started seeing a lot of success and um, and so that you know helped us within a matter of you know I think four or five months we got up to about a half million readers a month um, by trying lots of different things. Again, many didn't work. That was one of them that was, you know, one of the larger ones that was successful. Uh, and, and then it was just building off it. We were still a two person operation, but, um, found, a an angel investor, um, and just explained the vision of what we wanted to build the success we had up to date. Um, didn't have a pitch deck or anything, just kind of explained it over the phone. 
And um, she wrote me an email the next day and said, I think you should start raising money and, and I'd like to write you the first check. Um, and, uh, and just kind of, you know, took it from there. She introduced me to a lot of other investors and, mm -hmm. and then, you know, it's just started building on itself. Um, and so now we're, uh, getting close to a 50 person operation. Um, you know, so grown awesome. very quickly. We have um, new people joining the community, starting new conversations, you know, every minute of every day, uh, with no marketing expense, it's all happened organically. Um, and we've, you know, we've, we've brought together a lot of investors kind of behind us to continue to grow the community. But early on was the hardest part of just kind of finding those breakthrough moments. How did you stay strong through that? Right. Cause I think there's a mirroring between both the entrepreneurial side of this and building it out, but also from the perspective of just even learning more about your daughter's condition and feeling like, you know, we can do this, like we will do this as a family. Uh, I think I'm just an optimist. I mean, I just believe that we could keep doing this. Um, you know, part of it, my wife might, <laughs> might tell you I have an ego or something, but, uh, I just, I, I just thought if anyone's going to pull this off, like this should exist, right? Yep. Why is there not a LinkedIn of health? Why is there not a giant network that's out there for people to help each other around, you know, something as specific as, you know, dealing with all your health conditions and issues. And so, I just believe that it should be built, that it should exist. And I just thought, who better to do this than, than us? Like, wh you know, why wouldn't we be the ones to be able to figure this out? Um, and, you know, ask for a ton of help. I mean, that was one of the things I had to learn the most is, uh, is just asking for help. The number of people that I reached out to and try to get their perspective, maybe it was on the growth side, maybe it was on the business side, maybe it was on, you know, media, whatever it was, mm -hmm. I reached out to so many people who I'd worked with in the past and knew people who I never knew, but just thought, you know, this might interest them. And, um, and so, you know, being able to ask for help was, was key for me. It wasn't, I, I'd say it was not one of my strengths <laughs> going in. <laughs> um, I'd like to think it's one of mine now. Um, but, uh, but that was, that was key. It's just, you know, continuing to ask for help. Um, and this was, you know, we're operating in a space where a lot of people would like to see this thing exist or like mm -hmm. to help play some role in, in, you know, taking it one step further. And um, and so, you know, I've, I've definitely appreciated uh, how much help I've gotten and uh, continuing to continue to be surprised by how much people do want to help. And they, they, you know, want to see this grow. So, um, you know, leaning on other people was a, was a big part of it as well. How did you get yourself to the place where you can take help? Because I feel like so much of what we all struggle with is that. It's just like the asking for help, but then when you're actually being given it, taking it and just running with it, knowing that you're working for like a greater good or knowing that you just need it in that moment without feeling that sense of having to pay it back or having to reciprocate in a way immediately. Yeah, I mean, I, that's, a, it's, that's a good question. I think that... Um, so there's a couple of components to it, I think, is in terms of, you know, being able to accept help or help. Um, I think, one, you have to be humble enough to know that you don't have all the answers. Um, I had a vision initially for the mighty. And um, I think what we are today is uh, is it continues to grow beyond the vision I had, um, you know, for it initially. And I, and I think the reason is because I've given up a lot of control to other people, whether that's you know, employees in the company or members of the community to help influence what this should be and what it, it should become um, is just knowing that, like, I don't have all the answers, right? I've got an idea in my head and let's ha bring in other people to improve that idea. 
um, dream bigger, dream differently, right? And so you kind of have to let go and it like this in some cases will always be my baby, but at the mm -hmm. same time, it would never go as far as it should go if it were just my ideas and my way of doing it. Um, and so bringing in people, you know, I, I don't have a tech background. Um, you cannot build a network the way we have without people who really understand, you know, technology and engineering to, you know, just just the, the, the science of it all. And, right. and um, you know, so to be able to bring folks in and say, here's how I'm thinking about it. How are you thinking about it? And then kind of coming up with a shared approach of how we're going to pull it off. Um, so you have to, in many cases, just let go um, in order to, you know, kind of accept health and know that it, uh, accept help and, and know that it's not going to be exactly the way you might have thought it would. Um, uh, and I, and again, I think it's encouraging others. I mean, when we bring in people to, to help build this, whether they're community members, investors, employees, you know, whatever it is, it's, um, they should feel empowered that they can help influence what we become. And, um, you know, I want them to grab onto the, the vision I initially set out to, you know, kind of achieve and, and what we want to build this into. But, you know, I want, you know, th they're going to do a much better job if they actually feel like they're being listened to and they get to help you know, really influence what this becomes. And so I, I think that, um, you know, again, people are much more willing to help if, if they can see that that help is is welcomed and will actually, you know, further the, the goal that you that you set out there. So um, those are, I guess, a few of the ways I, I think about just that, you know, accepting help. You do a really good job of making that a point on the community itself. I think the fact that you have such an active profile um, really encourages the community to understand that you're all in this together and that you're navigating life with your daughter and as a family just as much as they are with whoever they're caring for and, or their or whatever they're experiencing. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just it's just true. I mean, and, you know, I think you, you go out and you see a lot of the startups that have, uh, you know, grown It's in communities that have grown that they've come from people who wanted to build the thing they needed. <laughs> and um, and that is a great starting point, I think, for building community. Um, and that's true of me. I mean, as you saw, if you looked at my profile, you know, I just posted uh, yesterday was, you know, again, my daughter breaking her leg and us knowing that she can't walk on it for several months. And uh, you know, she's going to have to be in a wheelchair. And so I was asking for, you know, the disability community, other communities like tips on, you know, renting a wheelchair. It turns out you can actually buy them pretty cheaply on Amazon, which, which I did not <laughs> know 24 hours ago. And, uh, so just finding the way, but like, I know the best, the best way for me to move forward on all this is like, let's ask for help. There are people out there who have also had to, you know, been in the same situation we are right mm -hmm. now. They've got a lot of knowledge. They'd be willing to share that. So I just have to ask. And so, you know, I'm uh, I may have started all this, but I'm just one member of the community like anybody else. Where do you want to go next? Like, what's the, the vision for it or where where do you see yourself playing a role in the larger conversation that's changing as a result of it? Well, I see that the, the, the company at a, at a high level, um, I look at it, you know, we've got two and a half, you know, again, a little over two and a half million people that are part of this community, um, I do think about how do we grow it to 25 million, 100 million. You know, I, I, I'm constantly thinking about the, that growth aspect. How do we help more people? And then the other side of it is um, how do we deepen that engagement so that it is actually more helpful to the individual um, that, that is participating? And so I think it's ultimately, um, you know, what my role in all this is to get those two questions right. And I guess the third one, which is, the clients that we have because this is a 
a, a business, we felt like the best way to build this was actually not by asking people to donate um, as a mm-hmm. nonprofit, but if we actually could tap into the kind of healthcare ecosystem, the dollars that flow through there, there that we could actually grow this into something that's much larger, that could have hundreds of engineers and community leaders and, you know, all these things. So our approach was let's actually build this as a, as a true like tech startup um, and raise capital for it. And ultimately, you know, we've got to make it a sustainable uh, business, which it isn't yet today, but our investors are, um, they see the, the future and, and what we're building and, and they, they, you know, certainly like the path that we're on. Um, and so for me, in terms of what's next is, again, I think about um, how do we help the individual that's coming on. And so in that way, kind of our next steps are um, introducing them to people right off the bat. So likely joining um, a very small, intimate, you know, group of call it, you know, six, seven people um, Mm -hmm. that they're a part of right off the bat. Um, Because if you if you think about landing on like a Facebook group page that maybe has to do with health, you land on that page, you don't really know what to do next. You don't really know you're not introduced to any of those people. uh, it's not. I don't think it's as helpful as it could be. And so our approach is going to be a little bit more intimate in terms of um, how we, you know, are just our touch points with that person who joins. Um, and then in terms of, you know, how do we get a lot more people um, to join? Again, we, our approach has not been on the marketing, you know, spending a lot on marketing. Um, but I do think, you know, things like, uh, you know, we've, we're in discussions about having a television show that would get our, our brand out there in a, in a much bigger way. Mm-hmm. We're, um, we're partnering with really large organizations. So, for instance, AARP, which has 38 million members who are 50 years older and up, um, we're helping build community with them and you cool. know, getting in front of their 38 million people and letting them know about what the mighty is and what we have to offer. And so there's a number of different ways we can, um, you know, in terms of uh, grow the, the membership level. Um, and international is a, is a big one. We have people posting in over 70 different languages on the platform, which is in one case awesome, uh, but it's also a little scary because we're not doing we're not doing a good job of supporting those people. We're not showing them all the other people that are writing in that language. We're not translating all the things we could be. Um, you know, so we need to you know just frankly put a lot more resources um, onto that side. So those are just some of the things on a day to day basis I'm thinking about. Um, I think the ro- the role of a CEO continues to change based on the stage of a company. And I'm in that stage right now where so much of what I'm doing is probably six months, you know, try to be six months ahead of where the rest of the company's at and kind of finding who are those partners we should bring on. What are those, the big leaps that we can make, um, whether that's on the product side or community growth side or media mm-hmm. or you know, partnerships, um, clients, those kind of things. Um, so I'm just trying to play, you know, play on the offense, you know, side um, well ahead of where the company's actually at today. We're almost going to start wrapping up. And honestly, I love this conversation. I can go off for hours. Um, when you think back right, uh, at the before and think about where you are now, do you look back and say, I should have done something differently? Or are you really happy with where you are? Uh, the end result, uh, I, I couldn't be happier in terms of where we're at now. Of course, there's things I wish I would have done better. I wish I would have brought a tech partner on a lot longer, um, you know, a lot earlier than I did. Um I mean, there's there's a number of things. There's some people I wish I would have hired. There's some people I wish, you know, in retrospect, were, they were not as good of a fit. Um, there's uh, there's so many things that you, you know, looking back, you can say, I could have done this better or that better. Um, but it's waking up every day and just trying to 
you know, take that next step at the company and doing whatever you possibly can to help improve it. Um, you know, I, I can't worry about all the, the you mm-hmm. know, mistakes that we've made. It's a matter of you know, the decisions we have today of what can we do best. And you just, you make the best decisions you can. Um, and you live to, you know, deal with the um, mistakes that you'll make along along the way. Um, I mean, one of the most important things, I think, in terms of starting something like this is, that you do have to be decisive and you, you have to recognize you're not all your decisions are going to be correct ones. Um, but the worst thing you can do is try to over plan everything and, and just not, you know, not act and just, you know, do a lot of thinking without acting and, and those things. Um, the best way we learned about what worked and didn't is we just tried a lot of stuff, you know, at the beginning. And if we were not willing to fail at a lot of those things, um, we would not have found the things that were ended up being successful. Um, and so we, we tr- we've tried to build into the culture here um, at the Mighty is that like, you're free to fail, right? It's just, let's make sure that we, when we recognize that, that we, <laughs> we have failed, um, that we move on and we take the next step. What did we learn from it? Where, where are we going to take this now? So it goes back to that line you mentioned earlier about mm-hmm. failure leading to perseverance. That's, that's essentially what the life of a startup is and, and the track that, you know, I think we've been on uh, from the very beginning. And to bring it back to like a human aspect too, I think, as you were speaking, I was like, so much of that relates back to anyone who's caregiving or has their own diagnosis or has lost someone. It's you have that moment and you literally just put one foot in front of the other and try to do your best and try to figure out how to make it into something that then feels less empty for you and just brings more to your own journey. Absolutely. And, and often you don't even realize when you're yep. kind of building up the strength around all that. And in our case, you know, we have good days with Annabelle and, and not good days. Right. And um, uh, it, sometimes it's hard to see how much progress she's making in a lot of ways because uh, her development curve is, is, you know, just slower than others. And so but we'll have, you know, my parents or my wife's parents visit you know, and they may not have seen her for six months and they're like, oh, wow, she's doing this now. And, mm-hmm. um, wow, she's come so far in this or that. And we just see the day to day and we our, our vantage point is so close that we often don't actually see how much progress she's making. It's only from the people, you know, who may see her in, you know, bigger increments of time. They are actually the ones, you know, recognizing a lot of that. And I think we get inside our own heads, you know, so often about all the things we're failing at or all the things we're not doing well at. And you may not realize actually how much you're you're getting stronger and you're growing in, in all sorts of ways um, because you're so close to it. Uh, but when you actually step back and see where you're at today, where you, where you were maybe six months ago, a year ago, you can see that you know in many ways you are making a lot more progress than you may have you know given yourself credit for. And that like the importance of community is like underscored again because so many times you don't have that vantage point, like you said, and, and you need other people to point it out long enough for you to actually take a step back and look at it absolutely yes the community plays such an important role in and all of that just having a place to go to some days you may want to vent some days you may want someone else to celebrate with you mm-hmm. um and and that emotional side particularly when it comes to health i think is is so crucial it's overlooked um in so many ways i certainly didn't get it until you know um kind of going through it you know myself as as a as a caregiver as a, as a dad um, trying to help a little girl out, you know, and, and, uh, but the community, it, it means everything. Thank you so much for your time, Mike. I'm so happy that we had to have this conversation and that the community will just be exposed to everything you guys are doing with the mighty. Where can people find you? 
Uh, just uh, so the company is themighty.com, and, and even more importantly now, um, we've got an iOS app that is kind of exploding with growth there, um, and we'll have an Android out, out um, soon. Um, both of those are just the Mighty if you search on the App Store. Um, and then for me, um, I'm just, you know, anyone that could reach out to me, I'm just Mike at themighty.com uh, is my email. Um, and uh, uh, Mike Porath on, on both uh, Instagram and Twitter. Honestly, every little bit about this episode is something that I'm probably going to replay for a really long time. So I'm thankful to have had this time with Mike just to learn a little bit more about how his own personal story inspired what is his biggest career move yet and where he plans to take it from here. Thanks for spending so much time with us and learning and hopefully getting a little bit from both of our stories and hopefully understanding that there's so much community building that can happen online. As a reminder, I will be wherever you listen to podcasts every single Tuesday. And make sure that if you do like what you hear, you're subscribed and you're reviewing wherever it is you do listen. Because it does make a difference in how it surfaces for others. But in the meantime, before next Tuesday, make sure to give any feedback you have on Instagram or follow along for all my other writing. See you next week.